Exodus 2 and verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. God, as we look into your word, we, we know that this is a story that's happened thousands of years ago. But we know that right now in our context and in Monty, uh, you have a message for us. Uh, please, your Holy Spirit, just have free reign now to challenge us and teach us, instruct us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Jochebed, uh, Jochebed isn't, uh, isn't mentioned in these verses. Uh, she's a, a mother of, a mother of three that we know of, of, uh, Miriam, who was a, a prophetess to Israel. Uh, she's the mother of Aaron, the high priest, first high priest to Israel, and of course the mother of Moses, who delivered God's people out of Egypt. The genealogies in Exodus 6 and Numbers 26 tell us about Jochebed and her husband. Uh, her name means the honour or glory of God. And she certainly honoured God with her life. And this mum is a wonderful example of faith in God. Trusting God with her children. And I just want to touch on that this morning. A really challenging thought, um, I think, for a speaker who has kids because it's they don't come with the expertise and perfection and being able to say, this is how you do it. But we have principles and lessons to learn and I think that's how I've been challenged and that's how I want to just convey that uh, this morning. It's uh, not up there. I won't worry about this for now. I'm sure the context will be completely different for us in uh, 2022 uh, than it was for Jochebed. Trusting God with our children. What does that look like? Uh, I mean, I'm not sort of expecting that after today's service, uh, Chris and Kat take Ivy down, put her in a Kmart basket into the Plenty River and Expect Jenny Morrison to be in Lowell Plenty somewhere just to scoop her up. Uh, that's not the, it's not the idea. 
but it's the principles behind haven't changed in thousands of years that God is a God who is who is sovereign, who is powerful, who is in control and has a purpose and a plan. And the three lessons about trusting God with our children that I just bring up today is is first of all to trust God yourself. Trusting your children to God and raising your children in the Lord. First of all, trusting God yourself. Before you can trust God with your children and be in that place and have that attitude, it's essential that we have a personal faith in God through Jesus. Now, that picture, um, I'm not sure if Aaron or Miriam took it. It's a bit grainy, so it's a, we didn't have great technology back then, but that's sort of meant to be Jochebed and uh, Moses. I'll move on to trust God yourself. You know, Jochebed became pregnant with Moses in a very difficult time. Um, if you go back to chapter 1 in Exodus just before, we'll see that uh, Pharaoh had instructed the, the Hebrew midwives to murder every baby, that every son that came uh, was being born. What a horrible thing to be told as a midwife. But they didn't do it. They knew it was the wrong thing. It was immoral. It, was, it wasn't what God would want. And, and so Pharaoh then said, well, if they're not going to do it, I'm just making it known across the land. Every, every son born to the, to the Jews, the Hebrews, is to be murdered, thrown into the Nile. The Nile was, um, I'm not sure if it still is, but the Nile was known for its crocodiles. Apparently it was like the biggest issue for the Egyptians. And so imagine this context. How Jochebed must have felt when she learned she was pregnant. Not knowing if it's a boy or a girl. There were no fancy hospitals with massive machinery to check it out at 12 weeks or so. But Jochebed is a wonderful example of personal faith in the Lord. And we read about her and her husband in Hebrews 11, the wonderful passage of heroes of the faith. There she is. And it highlights, it says two things about her faith that led her to hiding Moses. She saw that Moses was no ordinary child and she wasn't afraid of the king's edict. The passage says that he, she saw he was a fine child. Um, fine is translated to meaning beautiful or good. And I'm sure Miriam was nice and Aaron was, you know, not bad. Um, I'm not thinking that we ever have favourites as children. Um, they all mess up and they're all cute at times, especially when they're first born, they can't talk. That's when I think they're the cutest. Once they start walking around and speaking back and... All of a sudden, things change. Um, but there's something that has struck her, that has convicted her, that is special about Moses. And God had a special purpose for Moses, but I also want to highlight this morning, mums and dads, that God has a special purpose for every child. 
The psalmist says in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And there are no accidents in God's creation. Nothing that he doesn't know about. There are no kids that are born as drug addicts to to, to drug addict mums or parents. Kids with disabilities. Rich kids that are born into houses that have wealth beyond measure and poor kids, children born into poor, poverty-stricken homes. God knows about all of that. He knows about it all. And each and every one is fearfully and wonderfully made. But it takes faith to see that. It takes faith to believe it and to actually live that out in your life. And Jochebed saw it and believed it. And so by faith, for three months, she hides Moses away from the outside so people didn't know. Secondly, obey God over man. Hebrews 11 talks about the the evidence of a personal faith. You see, Jochebed knew that the the edict was wrong, that it was evil, it was immoral. And she still put her, she still had had her faith to, to put Moses and hide him. Because she put her, not only Moses at risk, she also put her own life at risk. She put her own family at risk, Aaron and Miriam. But the conviction in her heart It must have just been so convicting that God was telling her this is the right thing to do. Don't obey the government right now. What the king is saying, the pharaoh is saying is evil, immoral. This is what you need to do. And so by faith, she obeyed God over man. It reminds me in in Acts 5 when the the church has just started, you know, the time of, uh, the time of Pentecost. And the church has started and the, the, the apostles are brought before the Sanhedrin and they're told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop it. And they get whipped and beaten. But after that, they walk away saying, we must obey God rather than men. And so Jochebed trusted God with her child. She saw something special and by faith she trusted God herself and she trusted God with her son. The second point I want to say is that trust your children to the Lord. This is, this is a hard one I found just as I thought about it. Um, my kids are 12 and 10. I don't come here with with perfection, I don't come here to say I know how it's done, but trusting your children to the Lord. What does that look like? Well, for Jochebed, it was, came to a point where she couldn't hide him any longer. And so she exercised faith by giving her child over to the Lord. And for her, that meant building this basket, which 
It is the same word uh, that was used for uh, Noah and the ark. It's the same word for ark. This one was a little bit smaller. No animals inside it. But she built this ark, this basket, and placed her son in it. And had Miriam standing at a distance to see what would happen. Can you imagine giving up your three-month-old in that way? It's an incredible act of faith. I don't know how old Mackenzie was when she first went out of our bedroom into her own bedroom. Um, I imagine it was a few months. I might be wrong. I remember... (coughs) I remember those nights, those first and a few nights especially, uh, when you had the little machines and you could hear them if they made a noise. Or, But I remember those first few nights where we would leave our bedroom at night because we couldn't hear anything. So we had to go into the room and check, you know, like, oh, she's still breathing, it's all good, she's still there, she hasn't moved, she hasn't, she's just sleeping. But it was like you couldn't sleep. You... When she was in our room, she was just next to us. You know, you could just look over and see her, but so hard just to have her in the room next to us. Ava came along and we just like, oh, your own room, second child, just whatever. <clears throat> Much easier. After nursing, after looking after him three months, she puts him in this ark, this basket. And while there was faith in God, in in the conviction, I'm sure, in her heart of he is sovereign, he is good, she's human. You're not 100% sure what's going to happen. We can't be with our kids, can we? And off Moses goes down the banks of the Nile. What a what a what a story. What a place to be in. What what does that look like for us then? Again, it's not about the exact same circumstances. It's not about doing exactly what Jochebed's done. But what does it look like in our context? Only really you can answer that for for you and your children and in your situation, your circumstances. But may I suggest it comes down to our attitude. It is about attitude that will drive our actions. How will I think? How will I react? How will I live in the midst of trying circumstances as I raise kids, as I be a mum to a person who doesn't have a mum. A lady who was a widow in Dallas, Texas, uh, mid-50s, a daughter, her only child, and she loved the Lord 
Her daughter had been to church, but she found herself in a place where her daughter was, for many different reasons, I imagine, was working uh, as a stripper in a, a bar in Dallas. And she caught two buses to get to work and she would come home extremely late. And you can imagine, of course, it will break your heart. That's not what probably you want for your kids, is it? But as I read this story, this lady goes on to say that I, that I just wanted her to be safe. I wanted her to know that I loved her still, that she belonged at our place. We weren't going to kick her out or any of that. And so instead of the buses, when she found out where she worked and what she did, for two years, the mum took her to work. And the mum would go back and pick her up and bring her home. And after that two-year period, the amazing end to that story, which is not always this ending, is that she gave up that work and she gave her life to Christ. The actions will look different, but the attitude, when a toddler says no, <laughs> I was giggling as I wrote this down, when a toddler says no, a, a tween, if you don't know what a tween is, I don't know how old that phrase is, but we've got tweens in our household. When a tween answers back, when a teenager's yelling, when a young adult's lying, how... How can I be faithful to God's calling? How can I be obedient to how God wants me to live despite the actions of my kids, the behaviour, despite the circumstances around, how am I going to be faithful to God? How am I going to live obediently to him? The second point I want to make is, just, is to entrust in God's sovereign care. That word sovereign is, is an amazing word as you look into God's sovereignty and we sung about it this morning. There is no comparison. There is no comparison. To be sovereign when we speak about the sovereignty of God is that there is no equal. That he has ultimate power and control over all things. To move a mountain is nothing. To part the sea, no big deal. To save the life of this young boy, it's not difficult. He's sovereign. He wants to do it, he'll do it. Isn't this incredible? Verse 5, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile. Her attendants are walking along the river bank. And she saw the basket and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. She felt sorry. This is one of the Hebrew babies. Pharaoh's ordered all the Hebrew boys to be killed. Surely the daughter of Pharaoh is going to say, okay, have to follow that Hebrew boy. Let's kill it. She felt sorry. 
God worked through the midwives to, to say no to the murdering of the boys. God works through Jochebed to take and hide Moses. God uses Miriam to keep an eye on the basket. God works in the heart of Pharaoh to feel sorry. What an amazing God. There's more. Verse 7, Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. It's amazing. Quick thinking Miriam. Oh, you found a baby, feel sorry for it. Why don't I just get one of the Hebrew women to look after him? And she goes and gets her mum, Moses' mum. All under God's sovereign care. Moses in the basket, in this river full of crocodiles, meant to be murdered at birth. Pharaoh's daughter, bathing at the time, feels sorry, doesn't follow Pharaoh's instructions, feels sorry for it, hands back to the sister who takes Moses for about five years to his mum to be cared for, nursed for, to be taught. This isn't some made-up story. This has happened a few thousand years ago and God hasn't changed. In 2022, God can do this and more in our life. I think when we come to God's sovereignty and, and what it looks like to trust God as Jochebed did, is that she, there were no certainties. She wasn't 100% sure what was going to happen. I'm sure she was hoping. And sometimes the circumstances don't necessarily work out picture perfect as we would imagine. But we can certainly live with peace and confidence that he is all-powerful, that there is no rival, that he is above all things, and as circumstances arise, there's no surprises. There's no shocks to God when something happens. God, I trust you in this. I trust that you know about this, and I need your peace and your comfort. I just can't imagine how Jochebed was feeling, but... We certainly face circumstances where we need to trust God's sovereign care. The third thing I want to point out is to raise, raising your children in the Lord. And what does that look like? I just want to read verse 9 and 10. It fears daughter said to her, Miriam, take this baby and nurse him for me. Oh, sorry, for Jochebed. Take this baby and nurse him for me and I'll pay you. It's amazing. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. 
Not only does Jochebed get her baby back, she gets paid to get her baby back and to teach her, teach him and to nurse him and care for him. Wow, God is good, isn't he? I'm sure that Jochebed took the time to talk about the God of Israel, to talk about the, the stories of, of the nation of, of his people, the Hebrew people of the flood of Noah. The promises to Abraham that the very circumstances they were in weren't forever. And God in his sovereignty allows Jochebed to raise Moses to teach him. She didn't get him forever. It was a short time. But this was God's plan. God's looking much further than the five years or the ten years. And that can be a hard one to to grasp. When you're in the midst of circumstances, uh must be hard to, to, to grasp that. I mean, it would have been really difficult for her to let Moses go. Um, to get him back would have felt incredible. To have to say, you know, whether he'd be six, seven, whatever, to let him go again. This is God's sovereignty. And this is God's plan about rescuing the people of Israel out of slavery. We have limited time with our kids. We have very limited time. Our daughter is in high school. Our eldest daughter is in high school already. Can't believe it. You don't have the influence or the impact or the time forever to teach them, talk about the things of God. And, uh, and I just want to mention three things. Um, that I'm learning to do um, as a parent that I think are important. One is to teach them God's word. And that's a pretty, you probably sit there and think, yeah, that's really basic, that's a simple thing. But it is. But it's one that can so easily be forgotten in the busyness of life. You know, it's actually ironic that in Deuteronomy 6, uh, it's Moses talking to the people of Israel, saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I'm thinking that he can sort of remember when he was little and he was taught before he was taken off to to live with Pharaoh's daughter. And he says to the people of Israel, teach this to your children. Wherever you're lying down or you're, you're, you're standing up, when you walk along the road, wherever you are in life. And that hasn't changed, has it, for thousands of years. That principle hasn't changed as parents for their kids. 
wherever you are, if you're on the road to school, if you're at home at dinner time, or take the time to talk about the things of God. I mean, Moses, this love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength. Teach this to your kids, he says to the people. Uh, the second one, and I was going to say, I'll bring this up in the second point, it is to being, being in a church community. There's a well-known verse that we say in Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And, and I would say that this verse is not a verse aimed at Adults, 18 plus, these are the people who have had to look at this verse and I think the principle is, is, is for everyone. It's important to have children in a, in, in a church community. The, the, the famous quote is that it takes a village to raise a child. Especially when you want to go out to the movies and dinner, you want your in-laws to hand all the kids off, look after them and friends and school communities. It takes a village. But I don't think that's just for the physical and and emotional needs of a child, but the spiritual as well. That's why I think a church community is so important. We've got volunteers who have given their time, hours of their time to prepare for this morning to teach the children teach the youth the things of God. What a privilege to be in this church community and have those people to do that. And we here at Monty desire to be a place where children feel safe, where they feel like they belong. This is a place where they want to be. And in that space, they can learn so much about who Jesus is, about what he's done for them. And thirdly, and to finish, is to pray with them and for them. I think prayer is essential for our children. Uh, Again, uh, I'm... I I haven't done this well recently but the more I thought about this point the more I'm convinced that your prayer life for your kids speaks volumes to your dependence upon God for your kids that your prayer life for your children will speak volumes about your dependence on God for your children. Those prayers of of Jochebed, as she gave birth to a son, the thoughts must have been going through her mind. Oh, no. God, what am I going to do? I've given birth to a son. And as she's made the decision to hide him, the prayers of a 
a nervous, sort of anxious mum, worried about this evil edict to murder sons. Imagine the prayers. The prayers of, of Jochebed as she laid Moses in this ark, this basket. God, keep him safe from the crocodiles, the drowning, falling out, whatever it might be. Keep him safe. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, if she does. Oh, will she feel sorry for him? Don't take him straight to Pharaoh to be murdered. You can imagine the prayers of thanksgiving when Miriam brings him back. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you for this time. And to hand him back as a six, seven-year-old, the one who will deliver the people from Egypt. A guy, uh, an English theologian, uh, who said this about prayer for parents, from parents. See to it night and day that you pray for and pray with your children. Even though you may not leave them a great deal of material wealth, you will leave them a great legacy of answers to prayer, which will follow them all the days of their life. I just want as a way of closing in prayer today, Just share these well-known verses from Jude 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for your attentive ears and God bless you. Have a great day.